Welcome everyone to Fire and Water, the podcast. My name is Tennyson Wolf. I'm here as always with my co-host, Quinita Robertson. And uh, we think of this podcast as having some flavor of coming of age in this age. Uh, we definitely are seeking to cultivate a wisdom uh, and wise leaders uh, in the folks that we know, the folks that we're meeting and within ourselves. And uh, today we get to invite a particular guest and friend, Christina Baldwin, onto uh, this recording so that we can be in a conversation with her about a few things that intersect our lives together. Uh, so uh, a brief welcome, um, we'll have you say a little bit more in a bit here, but a brief welcome, Christina and uh, Quinita, as always, I'm glad that we get to do this. Me too, I'm excited about today. Mm -hmm. And do you wanna say some things that set us up? So um, I'm excited to be here with Christina. I met Christina, um, now about 12 years ago, it was uh, almost a year after my mother died and we were in a workshop together here in Cincinnati. And I had just finished teaching a class around healthy women's circles where I use Christina's book, <laughs> Calling the Circle. And um, I didn't know anything about your work before then. And so then to like the month after I closed the class to meet you, just felt like magic <laughs> and um, felt connected. And, um, and, you know, since then we've stayed connected over the years. I know the first time I got to be in a retreat that was facilitated by you um, was on Wigby Island Self is Source. And I had come begging for you to come do some work at a retreat center I was at. And you said, well, you have to come to this first and we'll do something together. And so I just since then have known you to be a wonderful um, holder of space and that understands more than just the facilitation of it, but the energetics of it. And that's something that I think is so often missed. And I go back time and time again and share some of the things that um, I've learned from you either one-on-one -on -one or in that space. So thank you for being here for saying yes today. Tennyson? Yeah, let, let me say a few things to Christina. I meant to say a couple, a couple of love words about you as we get started. So let me add those in and then we'll welcome your voice to uh, respond and, and say the things that you would like to say. Because Christina, we have a relationship that goes back 20, 20 uh, plus years here now. And uh, it has many shapes to it also. And our context for reaching out to you today is in particular as the elder that you are, um, with the experience in a, a many different walks of life. But that includes, as some of the connective tissue here, you being an elder and practitioner in the field that is circle and the circle way, you, the person that has written several books along the way, including The Circle Way, co-authored with Anne, Linnea, and Life's Companion, as well as uh, the book Life's Companion, and your book, The Seven Whispers. You founded Pure Spirit, you and Anne together to create a, a, a way to be able to offer some workshops and some education and some deep learning journeys uh, for many people. And I've gotten to participate in those and be a part of them over the years here. And I also know that you're a granny. And I also know that you're an activist. And I also know that you're a courage builder. 
And uh, the many things that string together in your life here, uh, it's with a big heart uh, that I feel a welcome to you to come in and join us and reflect out loud a little bit together as the person that you are and as the person uh, that pays attention as you do, not only to what's happening for you and your nearbys or closer ins, but also what's happening in the broader, broader scale of the world. So with all of that, there's just a grand welcome and a deep, deep heartedness to welcome you in, Christina. We'd welcome you saying any of the things that you would like to just as contexting who you are and what you're paying attention to these days also. Well, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. And um, I just, I don't want to spend all of our time just loving each other, but <laughs> loving each other and loving the work. Mm. And I always send blessings when your names go by in you know, however they come into my sphere in the course of the month or a day. And I go, oh, because you are both doing such incredible work in the world. And this is a time in my life when one of my greatest joys is seeing the things that Anne and I pioneered 30 years ago thrive without us. Mm. And that is kind of an amazing thing. And then I wrote Calling the Circle two times. The first time it was totally rejected. I had sold it to Bantam and they sent back the manuscript and basically said, we have no idea what you're talking about. And who would read this? And so I bought it back from them and sold it to a small press and an editor who really helped me get it the first version of this out in the world, I call it my John the Baptist version, because it's kind of like holding up this concept and saying, the circle is coming, the circle is coming. And then three years later, Bantam bought it back because the world had changed enough that they could begin to imagine the circle. And that's, it's kind of stunning to me to just see how it went from no idea to a little idea to now through the circle way, really just being this networked idea that keeps showing up and evolving. And Anne and I just basically said, here are the bones, here's the body, do with it what you will. And you two are just doing so many beautiful things. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, as we have talked with you a little bit before, we're getting ready to do a um, circle. It's a four hour kind of um, taste of circles, kind of how I think about it. But we wanted to highlight certain particular parts of circle, like um, asking questions. We talk about turning to one another um, for connection and learning, acute listening, um, growing the ability to listen to the center, uh, honest speaking, knowing your story is a contribution to the whole, Harvesting, welcoming emergence as medicine, um, circle rhythm, checking in, checking out, hosting guardians, and showing up, getting yourself in the room, we put, we say, as the first step. And um, part of what we've been looking at, and Christina, even though I think a lot of times when I've experienced the circle way, I haven't necessarily experienced all of this, I, hear, I felt it with you, the holding of circle um, in this energetic way of really understanding about the center and mm -hmm. the power of that to hold. And um, I often will say circle can help us 
remember not only that we belong to each other, but that we are each other. Mm-hmm. And I, and I felt that with you. And I guess a question I would have for you around um, circle and some of, um, I think what we're le- leaning into a circle is um, what is your hope for um, the moving forward of this body of work that you so love and care about? Well, I love how you've just articulated a lot of it. Thank you. I think it's very clear. It's almost like the kind of thing that you could write on the inside of your palm, taking the test, you know, look down and go, <laughs> okay, remember this and this. And, and circle ought to be that simple. It um, ought to be that ingrained in us. And that for me, the circle is a portal into possibility and into full potential. And most conversations, if they're hurried, if people are not doing acute listening, if they're not really in the room, they never reach their potential. They never reach their possibility. Something happens and people go, right, good. And they're off on the next thing, but they haven't really sat down with one another and questioned whether they're at the point of insight and inspiration. And so for me, my aspiration for Circle is that it really provides an alternative vibrational space. And the rhythm of circle, the checking in, the raising the question, the, you know, the timing, the calling for a pause, using guardianship to institute breath and pause throughout the conversation keeps it at a pace where that potential and possibility can really, it's too many P words, but become a participant in the process, right? Potential, possibility, participant, process. I mean, it's like you just get it. And that when that happens, the circle wakes up not only in the center, but in the center of each participant. And we remember, we remember how to be like this with one another. And if we stop practicing, that goes out of the world. We just become, you know, frenetic texting machines and messaging each other. And we see eruptions of violence and behavior that surprise us in ourselves and in each other. Christine, I'll follow up on that one a little bit. Um, you're talking, you're, 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 you're naming some of the story, a 30-year story um, in your own association and practice with Circle, trying to create a pattern, trying to invite a pattern, mm-hmm. uh, and talking about the bones, like we, we want to find the bones and then add just enough flesh onto that. Mm-hmm. I imagine that over the years, you have found that your sense of the bones has maybe grown or maybe simplified. Um, I'm kind of curious to hear what you say about that now, knowing that what we've already set up here is a, uh, you know, an, an attempt to try and like get to the 
juiciest of stuff in, in this workshop mm-hmm. is an example mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But get to the juiciest of stuff that that like encourages or invokes it right now. We can be circly with one another right now without being too darn teachy with one another. There are mm-hmm. like there are some behaviors that just seem to call out more of a genuine, authentic uh, uh, quality of listening and speaking and sharing with one another. You've probably had some movement on those bones along the way. Do, well, what, what do you have to say there? The bones move in yeah. terms of whether we're dancing or crawling. Yeah. You know? And there have been times uh, in conflict where we've been crawling mm-hmm. and times we've been dancing in joy. But actually, the bones have not shifted very much for Mm. me. Mm. And I think that's because when the circle first awoke in me, it came through dreams. It came through like a six-week transmission that happened every night in which I just had these, would wake up with these vague images of being in different times and different places around the world and different cultures. And out of that emerged the sense of, face each other, mm-hmm. you know, see every face, put something tangible in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, and that human beings have been um, around the campfire forever. And when we make a circle, the fire is lit. It's mm-hmm. encoded in our DNA. And there is power in the space between us. And I think one of the bones that really has expanded in my own consciousness is to honor the center. It's not just a decoration, you know, and in a more modern setting, we will think of it like put flowers or a coffee, you know, coffee service or something in the middle. But in, um, in the circle, we put something there intentionally that reflects why we are together. And that activates us. It activates us. And then the question becomes, how can we best focus that activation around why we're here? You know, and I, uh, so it's like, make the edge, make the center, make a way for people to pause and take a breath and remember they're talking to the middle you know, over and over again, I'm talking to the middle. So if I have something that's hard to say, I'm going to say it to the center. And hopefully you can continue to hear me. Because I'm speaking to the fire and the fire, however, it's represented there. The fire will consume it. I mean, you know this from the teachings that you're doing with the ceremonies. And then out of, of what the fire consumes, there's light, there's spark, there's inspiration. So I, I think that trusting the center of the circle has probably been one of our biggest growing edges. But to trust that, you also have to have a strong rim. You have to have people who have shown up and have a few agreements about what's gonna, what's gonna happen here. Mm-hmm. How am I going to stay in enough sense of safety that I can allow a conversation? 
Beautiful. I think one of the things um, that I know about you, Christina, <laughs> um, because I've been being in circle with you, how intentional you are about um, calling up circle from your own lineage. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I know um, Tennyson and I have been working mm -hmm. with, with what we're offering to in our circle practices, how do we integrate both of our lineages of circle. You know, mm -hmm. his is so much more the circle way than mine has been. Um, mine has been more um, Afrocentric and mm -hmm. centered just through my family and through, um, mm -hmm. and looking at that integration and because I think circle allows it, right? Um, circle allows the integration of, um, of different traditions because it does hold, like I said before, this piece of um, not only um, do we belong to get each other, we are each other. Mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, I would ask you about um, mm -hmm. how have you found the maybe circle as an integration mm -hmm. of um, different lineages when we come together and hold? We were talking earlier and you were talking about peace. What is the possibility for circle and, um, and are moving toward peace. Hmm. Well, I think those are kind of two questions. I'm gonna circle back to lineage. Okay, yes. We live in a world where race is perceived and lineage is perceived. And we're going through a time in our world where that's almost heightened and hopefully is being heightened as a way of healing. Anne and I, being two white Northern European women, really starting this work before the internet. So you couldn't Google anything, right? We went back and looked at Celtic and Nordic mythology and looked at, tried to get behind the the Roman Empire, you know, to discover where is the possibility that white people are indigenous hmm. and what indigenous practices are universal. So the subtitle of the first book, Calling the Circle, the subtitle is the first and future culture. But the first culture, that circle is a universal first culture because when you have hunter-gatherers, at the end of the day, you have to light a fire and eat together. And out of that grew social constructs that allowed you to develop identity, that allowed you to support women and children and babies and elders and, and then to take care of each other. Uh, and even to see conflict as a kind of ceremony, mm. you know? And when we look into indigenous culture where there is warring against other tribes or other units, uh, it is a ceremony of warriorship more than the kind of mass destruction that uh, it's often portrayed. So we got very interested in the common indigenous roots 
that underlie the forest, you know? What's there? What's what's in the mitochondrial and, and what's sparking between us so that we are each other indeed. We are each other indeed. And then worked also to acknowledge some of the wounding among people who have desperately held on to some of these practices in the face of genocidal uh, reaction. And we, and I'm sure this happens with you too, but we have from time to time really sat down with, in North America with First Nations people and had conversations and they'll say, well, this sounds like, you know, a ho-dunk circle, or this sounds like a Cherokee ceremony, or this sounds like, and I go, well, that's because when you go back to the root, it's all there. It's all the same. You know, what do you need to do? You need to light the fire. You need to feed the people. You need to have a way to behave together that supports unity. You need to have a way to resolve conflict. You need to have difficult conversations, not just native people or African people or Euro people, but all of us as people. Is that helpful? It is. You know, I'm, yeah. I was, I was just going to say, it is very helpful for me. And I think that um, because we have uh, forgotten that, you know, I think so much of the healing that's, tr that's trying to happen right now mm -hmm. around whiteness, mm -hmm. we have forgotten that whiteness requires everybody to give up their culture, not just people of color. Right, right. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so to, to have you speak on, it all comes back to the root. And mm -hmm. that's what's called, that's what's calling to be healed, I think, for all of us. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I think, oh, go ahead, Christina. Well, I was just thinking, I'm, mm. as you both know, if you read my blog, that I, I wrote quite a piece last fall about my experience being white and how obliterated Indigenous culture was in my growing up and understanding. And I'm, want to continue that conversation with myself. And so I've been asking lately, is there anything good about being white? Well, and let's just say that maybe there is. So like, what's good about being white? And it's a very complex question for exactly the reason you're speaking, Juanita, which is like, well, what does that mean, being white? You know, where is where is white tradition? And how do you find indigenous rootedness in whiteness that gets behind sort of this tsunami of just consumerism and domination that we're living in right now? But circle can take us there and dive us into those conversations. I'll jump in because uh, part of how I can hear that, Christina, and I'm I'm real time reflecting into, and then there's this group of people that I get to mm -hmm. be with or work mm -hmm. with or have asked me to come in and do something that they're not even quite sure how to ask for kind of stuff. I, I lead so often with circle. I lead so often with at least one version of what's behind that. We need connection with one another. Uh, we need relationship with one another. Our relationship 
is our robustness or our robustness is found in our relationship. You know, I have some favorite things to say there that are genuine and real. And I know others have some ways of saying that also. But I think that the link that I make back to, uh, it's, it's somewhere in uh, the words that you're sharing, um, Christina, I, I think we're trying to build ritual around listening or reclaim mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ritual around listening. And, you know, I like that kind of language and because I like ceremony and I like ritual and I like depth of journey and, you know, all of those things. And Quinita, you and I get to hold people in the naturalness of that. Like people sign on for that with us in uh, many of our contexts here. But then there's these other contexts where it's like, we don't, we, we list, what do you mean listening? And what do you mean taking turns? Or what do you mean passing a piece? And without going into full on circle description, you know, I think, I think what's happening is we're, we're, we're actually re-ritualizing listening with one another. We can actually listen in a different pace or for what's in the center, as you described earlier. Uh, that gets me excited. And, you know, there's depths of layers that are there that aren't always the things I'm going to speak out loud with the people I'm with. It depends, you know, who they are. I hope, to, I hope that I'm discerning well for what to say and maybe what's not to say in some of those uh, circumstances. But that ritualizing listening I think I'm speaking as a human being right now, mm-hmm. some awareness of the bigger picture and what's the bigger pattern that we find ourselves living in without needing to come up with a fix, but just come up with a commitment to whatever the scale is that's in front of me, whether it's a group or me talking with my neighbor. We're li- ritualizing listening at the layer of uh, listening with and to others, listening to self. Like sometimes we just can't find, we can't even find who we are unless we're in company with others to sort of put some stories and wonders out, out loud. And then listening to the spaces between. Mm-hmm. Like I'm getting a little soapboxy with this message right now because I think it's the excitement of a really broad and quite complex mm-hmm. series of interlinked human dynamics and so forth. And just saying, you know, we need an overarching narrative and invitation. Mm -hmm. What if we could improve our quality of listening at all of those layers? Oh my gosh, how might that change who we are and what we do in Mm -hmm. the world? Those are things I get excited about. Well, I want to get excited with you about the overarching narrative. Mm. Because... I'm aware how we get jerked around in and out of different narratives Mm -hmm. right now. And at the time that we are talking, the narrative that we're looking at is about Ukraine. And I have to say that I I feel like a kid in first grade raising my hand going, but, but, but Afghanistan, you know, we moved on. It's like they got two weeks of global attention, two weeks of story, and then poof, you know? And in the capacity we have now for global story catching, 
the eye of attention is like constantly roving. And I'm going, where, where is it that we sit down with the deeper pause and take a look at what is causing pain? What is helping resilience? Where is suffering? Where is relief from suffering? in the overarching story and can circle help us attend differently and perhaps even rise up and say all of this is important and we are at a point where we have to radically shift how we live you know if we want to live we have to shift how we live and to me, that's uh, an awareness that sits in my spine in every conversation I have. Right? I'm saying to my 17-year-old grandson, my definition of life purpose is where who you are intersects with what the world needs you to be needs from your life who you are intersects with what the world needs from your life and he holds that question pretty well i think mm -hmm. and then i say this doesn't mean you have to be famous or rich or powerful it just means pay attention to the intersection don't go screaming through the yellow light watch Watch for the subtle feedback loops that you get. And for me, Boy Circle is just full of those feedback loops where suddenly I am reminded, re-inspired, re-fed. Uh, stories are re-articulated to me in new ways that then change my behavior going forward. Juanita, I'm thinking you might have a reflection yeah. here because now we're in the big territory, right? Yes. yes. So you might have a reflection and then I, in the spirit of our time today, maybe mm -hmm. we come back to Christina to offer a little closing elder word. I, first of all, Christina, I love that you acknowledged, um, you know, it's not just the Ukraine. We have um, over 22 countries right now that are at war, right? And right. so it's real easy for us to, move to, oh, this is the one. And often, often it's in a, with a backdrop of usually we um, highlight the ones that don't have cultures of color. communities of color. Right. Um, the other thing I think, well, what brought up when we were speaking is it's an opportunity to remember, mm -hmm. right? You know, I think we live in a culture that so holds this myth of independence. <laughs> You know, and that when we really get that there's no such thing, that the independence is a trauma response, mm -hmm. that we're always dependent on each other. We're walking on the same earth, we're breathing mm -hmm. the same air, we're drinking the same water. And so it's always dependence. It's just a matter of whether it's codependence or interdependence. Mm -hmm. And what you're speaking to with your grandson, to me, speaks to this piece of where if we're really in an interdependence, it is that I'm needed for something. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it is that I'm not just 
separate from everybody else. Like we belong, we belong and we are each other. And so there's something that only I can bring is what we hold up in fire and water, you know, that mm-hmm. there's a unique genius that we each have. And, um, that it actually, I think, is our most underutilized resource. Christina, um, in the scope of today, this conversation and the reality of a recording and the, the, the awareness of uh, these kind of conversations are meant to go on in other places and ripple out and all of that kind of stuff, uh, you offer wisdom whether it's with grandson or communities or some of the places that I've known you along the way here. Uh, what, what's some of the, in a parting way here, some of the, you know, essence wisdom that you want to re-invoke and encourage? Well, that's people. easy. One of the things I would do is quote Tennyson Wolf to Tennyson Wolf. Oh, <laughs> Um, which is about do your part. Yeah. And maybe this is something that we dreamed up together, but it's like do your part and the rest of it is none of your business. Mm. And what I mean by that is it's overwhelming what we are aware needs to be done. And for most of human lifetimes, we weren't that aware. Mm -hmm. We could only see as far as the edge of our valley. And now we can see the whole world. So what needs to be done looks bigger and bigger and bigger. So I just say to myself, do my part over and over and over again as I age. And the rest of it is none of my business because it's somebody else's business. And it's also spiritual business. It's the business of whatever that is that holds this little planet together sort of the spiritual atmospheric layer. And that is activated and is always activated. And so then then it calms me down. The other thing I do is try to get out of being human-centric and be planet-centric. And I go out and I stand by water. I go out and I hold rocks in my hand. I look at the mountains, I look at the hills, whatever, and I go, all of this is equally important. And not only, it is all me, like you say, Juanita. So, um, I think the question then that I live with, that, that I'm tending right now is, what do I leave in the earth for the future to find? And we're leaving a lot of garbage and a lot of, dangerous, hazardous material, but we're also leaving gifts for the future. And so tangibly, intangibly, what am I going to place from my life here for the future to find? And the circle has been an incredible seed Mm -hmm. to do that. And it's humbling Mm -hmm. to watch what's happening and to just keep supporting it however I can, and to get out of the way. You know, you push a circle uphill, it starts rolling downhill and it rolls faster than any of us. So that's pretty cool. Thank you. Any closing thought there, Quinita? Thank you. 
Yeah. Well, thank you both. What a joy. Thank you. Thank you, seriously, um, Christina and the three of us to be able to be in this call. Mm -hmm. My closing word would be that um, somewhere you referenced, Christina, the, uh, the, the ability or the environment which invites us to be in our spines with one another, our spine talk, mm -hmm. the things that matter with one another. Um, I love that kind of image and know that it's a part of what we carry, Quinita, as we be with people and invite them into uh, who they are and who they can be and who we can be together with one another. Uh, and Christina, with you in particular here, it's, it's uh, I'm going to end it with a little bit of a love note here, and it's not a new love note. Um, something, I, I feel a forever gratefulness with you. Uh, for the pattern that is circle uh, that has included everything from formalities of workshops and things like that, but also into just patterns of how we interact as family, as loved ones, as neighbors. Uh, there's some kind of pattern there that is now 25-ish years deep uh, in me that I recognize I, I just I, I, I don't live without, can't live without. So there's something about all of that pattern that uh, that uh, you were standing for many, many years ago that has rippled out. And I'm really glad for the way that it lives in me. Thank you. I'm glad for the way it lives in you, too. And you, too, Juanita. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.